Welcome back to Far From Perfect. I am your host, Kylie Larson, and this kicks off our fifth season of Far From Perfect together. We are starting off with the most appropriate guest. Today, I have Chris Castillo. She is the founder of Empowered Achievers. And Empowered Achievers helps you take ownership of your professional life and build career a career that truly lights you up. I love what she says on her Instagram page. She is your career bestie, helping you change your mindset, quit your bad behaviors, and find peace. So I am not kidding when I say that, um, I mean, 95% of the people that I work with and talk to on a daily basis need Chris in their lives. And if you don't work with her, you definitely need to be following her on socials, whether it is on Instagram at Empowered Achievers or TikTok at Empowered Achievers. She has some amazing insight. We talk all about letting go of perfection. You know, we do that a lot here, but coming at it from a sense of it driving your career and also letting go of people pleasing tendencies and really how do you know if you're a high achiever like we use this term high performer but I'm not sure everyone understands what it is we also look at that term of high performer as a positive thing but even a positive thing if we do too much of anything it becomes a not positive thing so we talk a lot about you know how do I know if I'm burnt out how do I come back from burnout and how do I find this this peace this joy this ease this flow while I'm still performing at a high level with my career, but my career doesn't define everything about me. So not only is Chris fun to talk to, you're going to learn a lot and she is extremely inspiring. I can't wait for you to listen. Welcome back to Far From Perfect, everyone. Such a fitting guest today to our Far From Perfect theme. We have Chris Castillo with us, and she's going to talk to us about recovering from perfectionism. And I mean, not that being a high performer is a bad thing, but we have an open conversation <laughs> about how we can navigate life without all of this stress and pressure that we're putting on ourselves. So Chris, thanks for coming today. Thank you for having me. So, so I have to share, uh, I love your Instagram and one of your posts, you say, I'm a coach for overachievers. I'm here to help you find peace from your high achieving bad habits, your career mm-hmm. mindset bestie. And I love this. And I think everybody listening today needs what you have. <laughs> well, good. here I am. Let's, let's chat. So as we dive in, how did you get to this place of where like you're recovered from overachieving or in recovery. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I was like, I don't know that we ever reach a place where we're recovered, right? I think it's the same thing as, um, you know, when we were we were talking before and you said, what did you say? You said something along the lines of uh, high achiever bad habits and right, like it's not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's not, but the reason I started this business is I think probably something that you can relate to of like the slow realization of, huh, you know, I've always been the person I went through a kind of existential crisis in my mid twenties. It was, you know, I would say things came to a head at the same time. I started questioning my career. I was unsure whether I actually wanted that job or I had fallen into my advertising job. Um, but everything looked perfect on paper. I had a mom who was terminally ill. I was overextending myself. It all kind of just came to a head of just like, 
huh. And I think that's the experience of a lot of the people I work with. And I imagine a lot of the people you work with too, where it's just, it's not a bad thing, but it can be right. Because, and that's how we talk about high achievement. And I think that's the, the challenge for people sometimes, because exactly to your point, they're like, I don't want to not be a high achiever, yeah. right? Like, of course, of course I don't. And we're not trying to make you a low achiever, but we're trying to make your career, maybe not your identity anymore. Um, Help you to not feel like you're constantly running on a treadmill, reaching for the next gold star of affirmation, help you feel a sense of peace. And I think that's the thing people don't realize. And so for me, the reason I started this business was because I went through that same thing where I had that realization of like, ah, things look great on paper, but you know, with my mom being sick and kind of starting to think about like mortality and what is life and what is purpose. I was like, wait a second. Does any of this matter? And I think that all kind of came to a head for me and put into perspective, you know, was the beginning of that transformation for me personally. And, and that's why I ultimately started this business in 2016. The word that like comes to my mind is sustainable. Like yes. it's wonderful that I, I want to be a high achiever as well, but I want to do it in a way that's sustainable so that I don't feel yes. that burnout. Exactly that. Is exactly that possible? That. <laughs> I mean, yes, I think one of the the things that I say constantly is part of your job is to do it in a sustainable way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing that people don't always realize, right? Like I, I, I like to frame it as this is a piece of your job because for a lot of the people that I work with, they often struggle with people pleasing. They are often a bit of a work barter, as I call it. So they're sometimes willing to throw themselves on the sword for the greater good. And I think that is inherently the issue because, right, they'll sacrifice themselves for others. And so I actually think sometimes thinking of, well, really, this is a part of my job and it's actually better for everyone around me that I set boundaries because then I won't burn out and, you know, they'll have to find my replacement or something. It's silly, but it's actually such a helpful, at least for me, it was such a helpful mental shift. And I've seen that with a lot of clients is thinking of this as, as actually, I'm not being a monster by setting boundaries. It's it's better for us all when we think about this in a long-term sustainability lens. So here's a question. Do men have this issue? I work with some male clients. I would say predominantly majority of my clients are female or female identifying, but like not exclusively. But I do see like typically it tends to skew more female. Yeah, just because like, and I'm sure there are male ple people pleasers out there. It's just when I think people, I don't know why I just automatically think of women, maybe because I work with so many women who, and am I a people pleaser? Of course I am. Like, <laughs> Have you met me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, I mean, I think, right. Uh, we see it across the board, but certainly I definitely see it more when it comes to uh, women for sure, because I think there's a lot that comes into play with like, I have two young girls, right? And I try to be really intentional with how I speak to them. But yes. I think there's so much challenge with, you know, gendered language and how kids are raised and yada, 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 and all of the above. So it it's kind of makes sense that they tend to feel that pressure a bit more. For sure. So yeah. speaking to your story again, when you were making your way, this transition for yourself, is it something that you did by yourself or was it something that you worked on with a therapist or with another coach? Well, so there were, it's, it's funny because it all kind of happened for me. It was a very long, messy period. So I didn't necessarily have someone 
to walk me through the process that I now walk clients through. That's why I started the business. Cause in retrospect, I was like, wow, that would have been, that could have been a lot easier than it was. There was a lot of, you know, throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks as I call it. Um, you know, I did again, like I said, it was all kind of coming at the end of life for my mom. And so like, I dealt with a therapist in that capacity, which potentially impacted it. Um, I had some amazing mentors within my ad agency. So like I had impact there, but no, I did not have someone actually walking me through the process mm-hmm. of figuring out my life, figuring out why I constantly made decisions that looked impressive to other people and sacrificed my happiness, why I constantly overextended myself, why I constantly, you know, worried about making the wrong choice, why I was so worried about perception. That was like, personally, years of therapy in retrospect, but a lot of it came in retrospect, right? As I was going through it, I I wasn't necessarily conscious that that was happening. I guess I would say it felt very much just like, huh, explain it as like the whisper that turns into a stream, stream, a scream, right? I started to have like little doubts in the back of my head and they just grew and grew and grew until all of a sudden I was like, oh, oh, (laughs) there's some things going on and it kind of all came together, but yeah, there wasn't necessarily someone guiding you through that process. I think that's impressive. And also I think that's why you're probably such a great coach too, because you like, you had to figure it out on your own. And so you did, and that's why you're able to offer this amazing coaching. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, right. I think that's why I I assume this is probably the case with your clients or or with you and your clients as well is like, I think most coaches work with someone who is in a situation that they were once in, right? Because you can relate a vast majority of times. So many of my clients, when we get on calls or, you know, I, we have a, a, a community called the collective, which is like a part of one of our programming. It's where we have weekly calls. And with on that, when we have calls, when we do small group coaching, when we do that, resounding, like uh, the overall feedback tends to be, oh my gosh, I'm just so relieved to know I'm not alone. Uh I can't believe there are other people who feel this way. And I think for people to hear how successful some of these other people are, right? We have folks from major food and bev companies. We have Googlers, we have, you know, people at these companies or, you know, KPMG, like people who are successful. And so hearing other people go around and say, yeah, I also feel that way. Or I also, you know, maybe have this be a little too much of my identity and like, I'm not proud of it, but that's where I'm at right now. I think it's is so relieving. And so I imagine it's the same for you, where it's just like knowing that people have been through it mm-hmm. is such a relief because you feel so isolated. Yeah. The isolation is real. Yes. And that, and that's also why I love group coaching. Yeah like what yeah. you have. So people can have that experience. Yeah, totally. Totally. Cause like I can tell you all day long, but there's something different about saying, oh, okay, you're going through this. You're, you're actively going through it still. And you are relating to me in this way. Mm-hmm. Agree. Yeah. So we're in, in January and there's always talk about the G word about goals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> goals. And, um, I, I am not a good goal setter. Part of it's because I don't, I don't want to put pressure on myself yes. to achieve things. But then I have this, these two voices in my head, like, or are you afraid of failing, Kylie? Like, mm-hmm. which one is it? <laughs> like, I'm yeah, very fair. self-aware, right? Fair. Um, which can be a curse. Absolutely. Yeah. How do you help high achievers navigate this season when there's a lot of talk of goal setting? Yeah. 
So um, I am team non-resolutions. I do not like New Year's resolutions. I personally, for similar reasons, right? I found that if I set a goal, I think so much of it is based on this clean slate mentality, which I just think is so toxic, especially I've learned from my personality. I can't do it. If I do it, then I get hyper fixated on like set goal, accomplish goal. And there's this feeling of coming back to perfection, right? Well, I'm doing this today because I did it. You know, I have 10 days under my belt. Ooh, but on that 11th day, if I drop the ball, well, then I guess, you know, it's all or nothing. So throw the whole thing in the bin and forget the resolution, mm-hmm. right? And so that's why personally I stopped setting them years ago because I just found that they do not work well for my type of personality. Um, but instead of doing goals, I typically shoot for themes, right? So what is like overall, right? What are the themes that, or what are the things, what are the things that worked for me last year? Where was my time well spent? Where wasn't my time well spent? Taking that all into mind, you know, what do I want to focus on in the year and kind of setting like a theme and a larger vision for what I want, Mm -hmm. but it's broad enough that it's, you know, gives you some flexibility while still giving you a little bit of direction. And so that's kind of how I do it. But I love that. I did the same thing. Like I, okay. it's intentions. I like the the idea yes. of having an intention, yeah. um, but same, the, the goal thing and to each their own, like you guys, everyone knows how to work with themselves or they're yeah. learning mm-hmm. do what you need to do. But I like the idea of a theme or of an intention. It's less pressure. Exactly that. Cause that's the thing. It's if it, if a resolution works for you, good. But if you're doing it, you know, we had a really interesting conversation on like a collective call I had last week where we were talking about exactly this. We were talking about goals and resolutions. And we were talking about how we're like, well, sometimes when you're doing those things, it's it's almost like you're doing it out of shame, right? Like I'm doing it because I said I was going to do it or like because I've committed to this. And it's it's almost like, like motivating yourself with a... a poking of a stick. Right. And it's just, when I think about it that way, it was kind of like this aha for me of, oh yeah, it's so inherently negative. And I never really thought about like that connection of it's shame. That's getting you to do those things. When you say I need to do this because, you know, I, I, I promise this opposed to right. We want the carrot, not the stick. So instead, if we can say, you know, how can I make these changes? Because I want to make these changes and not because I said I was going to on some arbitrary date based on a calendar. Like that feels just like such a self, uh, it's it's like so, so hard on your self-worth or at least for me it is. So yeah, Yeah. if it works for you, great. But I think it's so shame-based for a lot of people. Well, and if you're trying to like make change, Mm -hmm. that is not the way to create lasting change. Exactly that. (laughs) Exactly that. Hello, Um, yo-yo diets, right? It's like- exactly. Have you read Conversations with God? No. Okay. Well, it seems like it's I got to I got to check it out. There are only I, two ways we make decisions, either out of love or fear. And shame, fear, guilt, same. And th- that's the same thing. Like I've been trying to like whenever I need to make a decision, am I making this decision based out of love or am I making this decision based out of fear, shame, etc.? Yes. And it's a really yes. powerful way to like lead lead through life. Yes. That's so funny. That's such a good way to put it because years ago I was, uh, I was trained on the idea of like towards versus away from choices. Mm. And so I've used that with clients for years of this idea of, are you making this decision based to move on based on moving towards what you do want or based on moving away from what you don't. And so same concept. And you're exactly right. Right. I think 
people don't always realize the difference between those things. But when you explain it that way, it makes so much sense, right? You know, the analogy I use is of like a, a bird trapped in a glass greenhouse and you have a big door wide open, but the bird is so frantic, they're banging into every wall because they're just trying to get out as quickly as possible. And you wish you could be like, pause, friend, here's the window. Let me guide you out of it. But I think that's what we do when we're trying to make away from decisions, right? If you're frantic to leave a job or, you know, oh, I just, once I get to that city, it's going to fix me or this, that, and the other. Like, I think that's away from base decisions can just be so toxic in that way. So yeah, I love that. Are you making it out of love or, or fear framing? Well, speaking of shame, I was listening to you talk about how you took a break over the holidays. <laughs> First of all, congratulations. Like, I understand how hard that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's and sure is. without shame. So mm -hmm. talk to us about that experience and how you felt in the past. How'd you do it? Teach us, teach us your ways. Yeah, I mean, I think so much of this, and I think that's the thing, you know, coming back to what we you said earlier on about, you know, recovering from perfectionism. Mm -hmm. It is a lifelong thing. And I think that's so much of why I find it important to be really, you know, clear and transparent and honest with everyone who I speak to, like clients, people, followers on social media, yada, yada, because I think it's important to know that you can continue to get better, but it doesn't mean that head trash doesn't come up, right? I always explain head trash as like that little voice in the back of your head saying, Ooh, are you sure you should do that or whatever? It's, it's the little gremlin voice. We all know it. Yeah. Um, and so for something like setting boundaries, like, Ooh, I mean, you're going to have so much to catch up on. I heard that voice during this break time, but I was able to really quickly, since I've done so much internal work on what is the head trash, what is behind the head trash, how do we reframe it, right? I've done enough work on that, that it was so much easier for me to catch it and go, oh, okay, I see what you're trying to do. Thank you so much for the opinion. We're going to let you hang out right there right now. We're not going to talk. We're not going to get swept into this. Oh my gosh, we're back. I got to catch up on all the lost time and da, 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 da. That frantic energy that I think I've gotten wrapped into in the past. Yeah. And, um, and I think, yeah, the, the main piece behind that is the true, like change the mindset work. But in order to do that, you have to understand first and foremost, what is the head trash that's driving the, like, you can't rest. You got to keep going don't waste your time. You gotta, you're gonna, you're gonna have so much to make up, yada, 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 right? Like, what is that little gremlin voice saying for you? Well, you just said something that I think is really powerful. And I'd love to know your perspective on this. You talked about doing that internal work. Mm -hmm. And again, even though we coach on different things, I'm seeing so many parallels. And mm -hmm. I know for my most successful clients, the ones who change and truly change for good in a healthy, sustainable way, they are doing that deep inner work. Mm -hmm. Is Do you see that in your clients as well? Like I could sign up for your course and I could go through the motions, but then be right back in the same spot or I could really thrive. So I guess my question mm -hmm. is, what are your most successful clients doing? Yes, I 100% agree, right? Typically, um, I have a like free workshop I often run. And at the start of it, I always say, you know, you're in the right place if you're not in the right place if yada yada mm -hmm. and you're not in the right place if you are not i forget how i phrase it but something along the lines of if you're not fed up enough with your bullshit oh. um, because right like i think there is some level of you need to realize that this isn't working and it's okay to have the fear of like i'm scared of 
you know, what is this going to make me less successful? What's this going to mean for me? Yada, yada, yada. You need to realize that this need to constantly push, constantly prove yourselves to others, the need to, you know, the, the, the having your identity so wrapped in your career is truly unhealthy and you need to be kind of fed up, right? Because if you're not fed up enough, then you're probably not going to actually do the work. So a hundred percent, you have to actually do the work. And I think in order to do that, you kind of have to be like, okay, self, I, I see you. Mm-hmm. This is not working. It's almost like this surrender too. You're like, yes. Yeah. It's not giving up. Right. But a surrender yeah. to something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You have to have the willingness. Mm-hmm. And I think the willingness comes with a level of like, I've, you know, so often the people I work with, I often on a lot of consults, I hear something along the lines of, oh, I've been following you on TikTok for like a year or whatever. I've been watching your videos and da, 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 da. And I wasn't ready for it before, but now I am. And I think that's the thing is, you know, so often people will see this and they're like, ooh, that feels like a really uncomfy conversation. And I actually think it's kind of good because we want you to feel like, I think there's a line, right? We don't want to wait till you're ready and have that be forever because that's a moving bar. And I also get that sometimes there's that, you know, I need to try a couple times to be like, but what if I just ignore these bad habits and I keep overcommitting and maybe this time it'll be good. Or I'm just going to try and, you know what, I'm just going to tell myself, I'm going to say no to things. And there we go. Burnout fixed. I'm going to try it. And then they go into the world and realize that this does not work. And you have to kind of like try that a few times before you're like, Okay, Chris, we got a problem. Let's do this. So exactly. Surrender. I think you're totally right with that. Well, I think I need to back up like 20 steps just in case someone's listening and they're like, well, how do I know if I fit in this bucket? Can Uh you give me some like classic, I don't want to say signs, but what (laughs) are the people who you work with? What are they like? How do I know I need to come work with you? Yeah, I can. I'm glad to tell you the signs. I can tell you the signs all the (laughs) time. So High achiever. Typically when we say high achiever, because I think sometimes people feel challenged with their like, how do I know if I'm a high achiever? Mm -hmm. Typically it's someone who things look good. Technically things are fine, but it just doesn't feel quite right. Right. So there's, there's there, they feel a lot of pressure. They feel like it's often, you know, we talk about this like golden child who has done things well, and then they feel like they need to uphold that name. Often it leads to like a four main kind of categories of, of pain points that I see, um, over committing, right. So burning yourself out, constantly saying yes, when you want to say no, either because you feel like you are the only one who can do something to your standards or, right. You can't trust other people or you just don't know how to say no, that you need to prove yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, people pleasing, right. So sometimes there's, there's this thing I call professional people pleasing, where you make career decisions based on what other people will think of them versus what you actually want to do, right? And I think that's, you know, people-pleasing in a small lens is indicative of clients, but also people-pleasing in that professional people-pleasing lens of just like straight up, you know, I think of it as you're making almost all of your decisions based on what's everyone going to think opposed to that internally driven, what do I think, right? Mm -hmm. And so they often feel that like disconnection with self, 
um, fear of asking for help, right? They, they often are the person who's like, no, 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 it's cute. It's cute and fine when you ask for help, but me, <laughs> no. Um, and then often analysis paralysis out of fear of making the wrong choice. And so like, those are the main like symptoms or behaviors that most often drive people to reach out. But I think they are all unified by this larger issue of one, having your identity tied up in your career and two, pressure, right? So much pressure that leads you to think of because you have your identity tied up in your career. I'm X person. I'm the reliable one. I'm the good one. I'm the one who looks really impressive. And so I can never make a decision or do a thing that destroys that image. And then each day that pressure feels heavier and heavier and heavier. And heavier. So that is who I work with. Is that pressure, is it an internal pressure? Is it all self-imposed? Not all. So I think it's it's funny because I often get this question of like, well, I didn't, I don't think I, you know, heard a bunch of head trash from my parents growing up or whatever. So it's it's maybe it's all me. I'm like, it doesn't really necessarily truly matter where it came from because at the end of the day, it's there, right? Whether it came from you, most often when it comes from you, it comes because you heard it and then you saw it, right? So for example, and maybe it wasn't even explicit. Mm -hmm. Um, for example you know, a piece of head trash I had to deal with before I could start my business was this whole idea of, you know, corporate is the only way to be successful. And no one told me that, yeah. right? But there's, you know, uh, media, every show, when you're in college and what everyone's talking about, what they're going to do. Growing up, my mom was a business owner. My dad worked in, you know, the more corporate world. And there was never, ever, 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 ever anything said explicitly. But like, in my mind, I, I remember there was some trip and, and, you know, there would sometimes be the, the comment of like, oh my gosh, your mom's business has been going so well. Like she paid for this trip or something. And it was literally meant as like a two second compliment of yay, mom, look how well you're doing. But of course, you know, I always say kid brain, it goes into your little brain as a kid and you're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. So you're saying it doesn't normally pay for stuff. Therefore, right? Like this, yours is the real job. Hers is a fake job. And so I think like that's often how those pressures happen, right? Is a lot of times this pressure, sometimes it's explicit, sometimes it's the parent or the, you know, caregiver who's like, let's get the A plus. But then sometimes it's just this internally, you know, thing when you are celebrated for the outcome or doing well, then you start to say, well, I never, I never want to not do that. Or it's implicit. You hear someone talk about someone else mm -hmm. or judge them. And you're like, Oh, I never want to be on the receiving end of that. So like, no, it's not entirely mm -hmm. internal. Often it comes from the external, but at the end of the day, I feel like it, it comes from a lot of different places, but often it becomes so deeply held that you are the one putting pressure on yourself most often at a kind of later stage. Does that answer your question? Oh, I feel like that's kind of like all over the place answer. <laughs> no, it makes total, total sense. And to your point, like that's why there's coaching. If you want to figure out why you are the way you are, go to therapy, but coaching, we're just going to, we're going to fix I'm not going to fix it, but we're going to work on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's no fixing. Yeah. No, but, but I think talking about, right. Why? Like that's the conversation I'll always have with clients is what is the pressure? Why does it benefit me? Mm -hmm. to feel that pressure and what are those healthier reframes, right? Like we want to focus on, that's the more fun part is actually talking about the reframes. It's not really fun to be like, what are all the gross pressures that I tell myself when I'm trying to sleep at 3am? Like that's not the most fun piece, but I think it's really important to understand it because once you do, 
you start to go out in the world and you say, oh, oh my gosh, I see this, right? I, I actually got an email from a, a client this morning who said something along lines of, she's like, it's so weird going into the world now and seeing everyone, you know, who hasn't done this work yet. And like, you, you know, you can see where they're coming from and yada, yada, yada. And it is, it's, yes. it's fascinating. Cause like, it's like, I don't know. I think of like the matrix, which is a very dated reference and probably, I don't know how the demos for your listeners. Oh, don't oh, worry. We are 35 to 55 over here. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> okay. Okay. We're here. Um, right. But I think of the matrix. It's like, you took the, what is it? The blue pill, the red pill. I don't know. Your eyes have been opened. Yes. You know, you can't put it back in the bottle. True. I mean, and that is such a gift. And like, for those of us or those who can't see it yet, like then once you do see it, you're never going to be able to go back. And it's just like, for my clients, you, they will never go back to restrictive dieting. They will never mm-hmm. go back there because they know. And I just think it's awesome knowing that there's a whole other way out there. That's all yeah. I need to know is there's, yep. there's a better way. There's another yeah. way. Yeah. 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 I, just because I have always shamed myself or felt pressure or told myself you have to do that. Yeah. Right. I think it is. It's very liberating. And like, I think for a lot of folks, they, they feel that's why I think that that's the power of feeling seen. That's the power of identifying with others and being like, Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. So it didn't make you unsuccessful. It just made you like peaceful. Oh my gosh. Mind blowing. (laughs) Imagine it. Yeah. Imagine, imagine not feeling like your entire worth, you know, one last story and then I'm going to stop going rambly, but I just feel like it's like so relevant to this. I had a video I posted recently that got some like folks in the farming community upset about running away to start a farm. Oh, and yeah. I, oh, and I had like comments on it being like, well, you clearly never run a farm and da, 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 da. And I, someone stitched it and was like, who the hell are you? Someone, they're like, oh my gosh, the way she snapped at the camera was so disgusting, so rude, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, something's, oh, I did not realize snapping was such a trigger for so many people. But it was so funny because like I watched the entire video and and afterwards I was like, okay. And that was it. End of conversation. There was no stress about it. There was no, oh my gosh, what these people think I'm bad and da, 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 da. And it was such a moment for me to say, oh my gosh, wow, my ability to hear people's opinions about me and not fall apart. I could have never done this in the past, right? Like past me 10 years ago would be shriveled up being like, why did I ever put myself out there? And I'm like, okay, cool. We think differently and end of conversation. And it's, I think such a beautiful thing to know that that's possible. Good for you. Like that's huge. Well, that's so funny because I want to talk about the farm fantasy. (laughs) <laughs> the farm fantasy it's such a fun one because I don't know if people realize when they start fantasizing about shit like this this is a good sign that we need to change something yeah so yeah. in yep. case someone doesn't understand what the farm yoga studio coffee shop fantasy is yes. can you please explain it yes so those are the big three I'd like to call them farm coffee shop yoga studio bookstore gets an honorable mention <laughs> but often it's this run away and so I've heard all of them right alpaca rescue dog rescue whatever everything under the sun. And it often has some sort of, you know, I, I call it like the Hallmark job fantasy. So any Hallmark movie where they're like, I'm going to go to Vermont and become a maple syrup sugar maker, uh, that anything that would be a job in one of those movies 
is the end goal for this fantasy. And it's often what super burned out high achievers feel when they are just done done, right? They're they're so beyond max and they're like, I just want to run away and do this thing. And I think the challenge with this and what I typically talk about, the, the thing that actually opened my eyes to this was I have an alum probably five years ago at this point who was a chemical engineer some type of engineer. And she said, she's like, I want to go start a duck farm in Vermont. And I laughed because I didn't even know duck farms were a thing at that point. Now with the advent of, I weirdly through the internet and talking about this, became friends with Morgan Gold of Goldshaw Farm, who has a duck farm in Vermont. So he was like, was she talking about me? I was like, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't know you existed before this. Um, but it was so funny because hearing him actually be on the same page was like very validating because my whole stance on this was like, I'm not against you starting a farm. I'm not against you starting a coffee shop. I'm against you doing it out of away from motivation. Like we talked about before, yes. right? I want you to start the farm because you want to start the farm and you know that it's hard work. What I don't want you to do is put something on a pedestal and be like, oh my God, I'm so burned out at my desk. What's as far away from this as I can get and refuse to look at any of the challenges or downsides of that, right? It's like, it's like dating someone's potential. We don't want to romanticize something without being willing to understand what it's actually going to be like, you know? Oh, it's so, all of this, it's just so timely, Chris. <laughs> This is all great. Are you, have you been looking at property in Vermont? Is this oh, what you're God, telling no. me? I actually know how hard it is to start things. Yeah. Nope. yeah. Okay. 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 I was like, is this going to be a confession moment? Are we going to talk about, nope. you're like, I bought some acreage. <laughs> like the, if anyone's never owned their own business and they think going from corporate to owning their own business is going to be easier. Like, I mean, you can do it, but it's not easy. Yeah. Let's exactly that right I'm fine with you doing the things so yeah. that's why it always shocks me when people get upset I'm like did you actually watch anything I said because at the end of the I'm like I'm not anti I'm not against you having your cows hell yeah we love cows I want to come visit your cows I'm into it I'm not trying to tell you you have to stay in you know a capitalist hellscape forever I'm just saying you know maybe let's not assume that it's gonna fix us and realize that like if you right? Especially with start, I mean, starting a business. If you overextend yourself at work and then you go start a business, you're not going to have boundaries because you never dealt with the fact of why you overextend yourself. You're just going to repeat the same pattern somewhere else. Right. Wherever you go, there you are. Exactly until that. you do the work. Exactly that. Yep. So I don't know if you follow any Enneagram stuff, do you or no? So I've taken it in the past, but I honestly can't remember super well my type. I am an MBTI girly from way back in that I got, I got certified in MBTI back when I was in corporate, okay. but I actually don't really advocate for any personality test. I know, I know. Fix my work with. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I yes. was wondering, are you an Enneagram fan? Oh, I mean, it, I think it's fun, right? Yeah. 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 But also don't put me in a box. Yeah. Like, I don't like that. And there are some things that I fall into one category, but other things I don't. But I was wondering, yeah. I don't know NBTI very well, but are there certain personality types that are more likely to fall into this bucket than Oh, others? interesting. I don't know because I don't take I don't take down what people's personality types are. Yeah. So can actually ask answer that. But that's an interesting, it's an interesting thought. I would imagine for right, I think a lot of the times I would imagine a lot of the, like, I know one of the Enneagram things is like the helper, right? I think there would be, I would assume there'd be a lot of that. Yeah. I think that was something that came up in my like top 
couple, but I don't remember at the end of the day what mine, mine was. I yeah. Guess, like, I, mean, I'm just, I was just I kind of curious. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. a couple of last things. Burnout has been uh, a really big topic in my friend circle, client circle over the last year. Um, I'm wondering, like, how do you know if you are burnt out in your opinion? I mean, I think most of the time when you have to ask the question, you kind of know the answer, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. like, do I, whatever. I, I don't know a good example here. So like, I think you probably kind of know, but I think a lot of it comes to this. It's, you just feel empty, right? Like you can tell it's this constant pushing. It's this real understanding. The thing that I hear most from clients is just, I can't keep going like this. This is unsustainable. There's no way I'm going to make it to retirement, right? I just, I'm holding myself to a standard. And, and it's funny because we talk about it in the context of burnout, but we talk about it in all things. Because again, remember, it is the pressure that is the underlying issue for everything. And so um, it's like, like, I just can't keep going the way that I'm going for 40 more years. My God, you know, most of them, it's often like five to 10 years post-grad is, I would say when I hear it start to happen and when I hear it the most with a lot of the people I work with, you know, they're often, um, I say like 28 to 32 is, is the peak of my bell curve, but it kind of really any time from like late twenties on is when we see it. But, um, I think they're often kind of like having those, having those doubts and having those questions and, and yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I was going to ask feel- like, who is your age range? Like I, I am working with women 35 to 55 for the most yeah. part. Yours is a little yeah. bit younger. Mine's a little bit younger. Mine's often like 28 to 32 is again, the peak of the bell curve, but I would say like late, yeah. Late twenties to like late forties is I would say the majority of my clients. Well, I think honestly, I think that's awesome because, yeah. um, it's really hard to deal with this stuff when you're also dealing with other midlife stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the midlife crisis is now, right. I often, it's become like the quarter life crisis yeah. for a lot of people. And they're just like, Oh, which is good. You know, let's, if we can figure this out before great, more power to you. I know it. So when I was in advertising, I was in my early twenties and me and my friend Ellen, we both had our, we called it that quarter life crisis. Right. And I went and be in, I went to become a yoga teacher. Yup. Okay. <laughs> yoga studio also on the list. <laughs> yeah. I needed an out, but I mean, I am so glad that I was able to figure that out early on. And so, I mean, that's great. I love the people that you're working with, that they see the need and they find you. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, I'm really glad that people are having this conversation and, you know, I always feel like I, I use TikTok a lot for work and when, when I'm scrolling the ticky tacky, I'm like always so like, oh, thank God we have all these, these, the youth, they're going to save us when I see them talking about things. I'm like, they're so self-aware, thankfully, because they really seem to be willing to have these conversations, you know, like now, right. There's, there was an article I read the other day about like millennial dads being involved with their kids and how different, right. The generational thing is, but it's so interesting to just see like how dynamic shift. And it's really nice for it to feel like it's going in a positive direction. I'm like, Hey, yeah. This is awesome. Do you follow corporate Aaron on TikTok? I, the name sounds really familiar. I don't know. I got to send her to you. Okay. So funny. She nails corporate beyond. I probably do. I feel like I follow a lot of those. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fun. I'll look. I just got over on the TikToks and I'm really enjoying it. Oh, 
I mean, I'm surprised that's not what brought us together because that's TikTok is like where I, I started using it when I had my eldest daughter because oh. that was 2020, which was, you know, a weird time to have a kid. And what do you do at 3 a.m. when you're locked in your house? Right. So, um, I started using it then just like personally, and I only started using it for the business at the beginning of 2022, but it has been like so amazing. It's, I think it just does a really good job at fostering community Mm -hmm. and connecting people. And it's just been like, yeah, huge fan. I, well, and I love your take on it. I like it because it seems so much less curated. It seems more real. I just go on there Mm -hmm. and I talk, I don't care what I look like. I'm in my messy kitchen. And I love that. A hundred percent. I think, I think being authentic is very much the name of the game there. And I think that's a really lovely thing because you don't have to be like, okay, I'm setting up, you know, this whole beautiful setup. If you have your like pimple patches on or whatever, that's totally cool. Uh So, um, I think a lot of people are going to want to work with you, Chris. So tell us how can we find you and what can, like, what are the options that we have to work with you? Yeah. Um, so for social, you can find me on Instagram, but TikTok, like I said, is where I spend most of the time. I do lives there typically once a week. I post an obscene amount there at empowered achievers. Uh, and then my website is beempoweredachievers.com, but I'm pretty easy to track down. You can email me. I have a free workshop there. There are a zillion things support wise. The way I typically work with clients is I do have, you know, a certain number of one-on-one spots per quarter. I also do typically twice to three times a year, a small group coaching cohort. Our next one's going to be starting in February. So I'm now taking calls for that, for people who are considering joining that. And then I also have a self-guided program, um, that you can do on your own, or we have the achievers bundle, which is built to kind of be like that happy medium. It's self-guided courses, but you have those weekly community calls with me for a couple of months. And so that's a really cool way to kind of get the best of both worlds. So there are a zillion different options. I cover it within the workshop, but at the end of the day, if you have questions, you can always just email me and I'll point you in the right place based on what you need. That sounds great. How long are those um, small group cohorts? So the small group cohorts are like roughly two and a half months. Yeah. Two and, and a, two and a half to three. How long is your, uh, like one-on-one coaching offering? So all, both of those things, the reason why I don't give a hard answer for one-on-one specifically one-on-one, we schedule the calls based on generally they're every week to two weeks, but it depends on the person. And so yeah. typically it'll be, you know, we have seven calls. Generally people will use those over, you know, two to three months. But at the end of the day, like we do it based on, Hey, now I know what homework I have before next time. Let's get into it. So I love that because in the past I've offered coaching too, that like I, they'd have homework and we'd have to meet the next week, but sometimes that's not enough because we have things going on, right? We got two kids. Yeah, exactly. Real life, right? Either too much homework or you just got stuff going on. And sometimes we need a couple weeks. So yeah, at the end of every call we schedule and I just feel like it's better for everyone. This, I mean, I just, I love what you're doing mostly because I, I see such a need for it. And I don't know of anyone else doing what you're doing. So, that's so, that's so nice to hear. Cause I feel like, I'm sure you feel this way. You go online oh. and you're like, oh my God, TikTok, stop showing me people. I, I actually, this is my confession. I, I immediately block anyone who I see doing the same thing as me. Not because yeah. I'm anti, right? I feel like a lot of, that gets a lot of hate of people like lift others up. I'm like, hell yeah, I'll lift you up. Yeah. I just don't want to see any of your stuff because to me, you know, a friend told me years ago, but I think it's true. I, 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 one of my good friends is a lawyer. 
Um, she does like contract templates, Sam Vanderweelen. She's amazing. I don't know if you know her, but she is like, I'm obsessed with her. Um, and she's become a good personal friend of mine. But I remember years ago, she said, she's like, you know, there's a line between like, I think a lot of times people will take in content and get inspired by it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true. And so that's actually my personal way of like, I don't want to be inspired by anyone else's content. I want to focus on my own lane. And so I just kind of like will block people. And again, not in a hater way, but just like, I don't, I don't need to see what you're doing. Cause I'm, I'm going to focus on my lane. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm always amazed at how much I'm like, but TikTok will always show me stuff. And I'm like, God, there are a zillion people doing this. So it's nice to know. No, I, I don't. And I see such a need for it. So I can't wait to send all my friends and awesome. listeners and clients your way yeah. out here doing God's work. <laughs> yeah, for real. Thanks, Kylie. I know it's so, it's always nice when you meet other people, right? Like again, you work on a different area, but very much within the same universe. So it's always yeah. nice to find people who you vibe with and kind of like are on the same page. My only regret is we did not connect last year because I put on an event and you would have fit in so perfectly. It was the far from perfect summit. We talked about burnout and all of this stuff, yeah, you know, Wait. next time. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to reach out to you. Um, because it would have, that would be the cherry on top. My friend, Dr. Yeah. Jordan, she's like a pleasure coach. I wanted yeah. to ask her at the time you didn't work, but if I could get you guys. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Love it. Touch. Look at this synergy. Thank you. thank you so much for your time. You're absolutely. Yeah, thank you for having me. You're welcome. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. See, I wasn't kidding. That was the perfect guest to kick off our fifth year together. Um, As we wrap up, I just want to thank you once again for being here. Don't forget to check the show notes for ways that you can support the podcast. It's The Usual Suspects, my favorite supplement brand, Outwork Nutrition, which I truly do use. Pretty much every single day between the whey protein powder and the pre-workout and the recovery supplement that has creatine, you can use code Kylie to save 10% on your first order. And then also GlowPro self-tanner. It's self-tanner season, y'all. And I know we're all feeling kind of blah. The best thing to help you not feel blah is a little tan. And we all know we shouldn't go tanning. But self-tanner is the answer to like literally... 99.9% of our winter problems. Use code Larson at checkout to save 5%. Until next time, see you soon.